College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander with me. The college basketball season tips tomorrow, or if you listen to this on Friday, it tips tonight. The two biggest games involving nationally ranked team against nationally ranked team is Michigan State, Arizona, Kansas, Indiana. I think of those two, Kansas, Indiana is the most interesting game. That's the most interesting game this weekend, right? It's the team that everybody is picking to win the Big 12 for the 13th consecutive year. And the team that at least I'm picking to win the Big Ten for the second consecutive year, that's a pretty good way to open the season, huh? It is. I would say Arizona-Michigan State's more interesting because there's more uncertainty there. I will say Indiana, I have a certain level of uncertainty. I'm pretty confident this is going to be a top-20 team for the majority of the season, Parish. Um, I want to see how good Thomas Bryan is early. I want to see how well he plays against Kansas' front line. Um, with Michigan State-Arizona, there's just... There's a ton going on there, which I know we're going to get to. But the big takeaway for me is this is the best possible double header that college basketball has had as far back as I can remember on its opening night of its season. Now, college basketball doesn't do itself a ton of favors by opening on a Friday night, but it does do a great job of aligning itself with Veterans Day. It always pays uh, tribute to the military, and, and the season usually starts on or around Veterans Day, so I get that. This game will be played actually in Hawaii as we uh, approach um, the Pearl Harbor anniversary and all that. So there's there's plenty there. I think it's pretty great. But just because we have these two games on Friday night, I think that's a pretty great thing overall. And they stand out in general uh, over any other games. I mean, Saturday, there's nothing great. Uh, Sunday, Chattanooga at North Carolina is mildly interesting because Chattanooga is actually a team that is probably one of the best mid-majors. Let's see what Carolina does. Just keep an eye on that one for Sunday. Just see what happens there. They should win. Overall, but that's the only really truly interesting game between a ranked team on Sunday. Friday is what it's all about. Plenty to get into. And man, I, Parrish, I'm ready. I'm excited. College troop season, it's so long the offseason. I'm always starving for the season to get here, but particularly this year, it's been a super weird week. Everyone listening understands why with this election and the fallout and all that's happened. I just couldn't be happier to finally get to the college basketball season to start with these games. It is a long offseason, and it's not a, an incredibly interesting offseason. Like in the NBA, they take the finals up until middle or late June. Then you got free agency through July. Um, it, it might slow down like, like in August, but then teams like it's ve- like the NBA season has almost become a 12 month deal now. Whereas college basketball, it's over in April. You get some coaching stuff, players turning pro or returning to school, like maybe through May. And then it's slow in June. July is recruiting, slow in August, slow in September. Like, there is, there really is a lot of dead time in the sport. And I don't want to speak for you, but I get so tired of having to get super creative with just column ideas and super creative with um, just things that are interesting. You know, it is the time of the year when you dive into big stories and projects, but it's so much more fun to, like, actually talk about things that have happened and write about things that have happened as opposed to, uh, you know, just create things or, you know, predict, 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 predict. And that's what we've been doing for months. And so now, uh, you know, uh, by the time by the time we talk again on this podcast, we will be talking about things that have happened. Something yeah. that happened this weekend will be interesting. We won't be guessing anymore. We'll be reacting 
um, to, to actual events, to actual points scored, to actual games played, to actual injuries suffered. And uh, I am excited for that as well. You mentioned something about opening on Friday night. And they don't usually open with great doubleheaders on Friday night. But here we are. We do have a good one uh, on this Friday night. Do, why on Friday night does college basketball season start? I know you can't start on Saturday because you can't get on television because of college football. And I, I, I imagine it's something like, why, why do they start playing on Friday night? It's not the best night. Uh, the reason why I think they started, this is my guess, because you can't start on a Saturday or Sunday or, you know, not that you can't, but you just won't. It's Saturday specifically for, for college. And then Saturday, Sunday on Saturday, you can't get on television, period. Right. You period. And, and then Sunday you can, you just, you're dealing with the NFL. Yeah, you don't you really just, want to do that. You just get completely um, overshadowed. Right. I don't think they love the idea of starting on a Monday because players have classes and you want to start on a Monday. Oh, I know they don't I, Listen, that. Parrish, Parrish, let me just talk here. Okay. I'm just, I'm talking it out through. Okay. Right. Here's the deal. It's because you've got. First of all, the ESPN 24-hour marathon is now baked into the start of the season. That always starts on a Tuesday. You're, they don't want to have teams start their seasons with the marathon. They want tune-ups. You'll notice, like, Duke has uh, a back-to-back home uh, Friday, Saturday. You've got a number of schools that will actually play Patsy's on Friday and Saturday as a tune-up to the bigger uh, games that they might face you know, four or five days removed. I think that's why they started on Friday. I don't love it. I would love if they changed it ultimately, but they, but I think it's also in part because there's nothing really to compete with on Friday night. Um, you got now Thursday night football is something that's, that's happening. Uh, that's my guess overall. It's, it's, you know, there's not really a perfect solution solution for college troops in that regard, but I absolutely think a big part of why it starts on a Friday and with this weekend is it allows the bigger programs to get one or two actual regular season games under their belt before they have to play legitimate teams and exempt events. I actually think that's probably the right answer, but I would just prefer let's start on Tuesday and like, let's start with, Oh, let's just start it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's start on Tuesday. We get, we get the Saturday college football out of the way. We get Sunday NFL out of the way. We get Monday uh, night football out of the way. Now, Tuesday, it's about you. As opposed to on Friday night where I guess you can say, you know, that uh, Kansas-Indiana game is going to be the biggest sporting event in America, even though it's like barely in America. In America tomorrow night. um, You just just called Hawaii barely America. You're insulting our Hawaii listeners. uh, Okay. Apologies to Hawaii. I don't mean you're barely America. Just you're not really close to the rest of us. You're you're so far away. And – no, but my, my larger point is, like, people aren't in front of the television on Friday nights. You know, people are at high school football games. People are out. People go to movies. People go to dinners. Like, there's a reason why it's nothing but crap shows on network television on Friday night. And the late-night guests on uh, Kimmel and Colbert are, typical, are typically second-tier. Because people, people don't watch on Friday night. Right. But like, I, no, I agree. And, uh, well, GP, I, I totally agree. I'd love if we started on Tuesday with, like, a mammoth – Huge college troop schedule that, that bled into Wednesday. Ultimately, this that's something that the ambassador of the sport and coaches would have to be willing to do. And they're still way too paranoid to ever do that. They just they need to get their cupcakes in before they do that. But ultimately, in my opinion, it would be a nice true jolt for the sport if you started it on the Tuesday in, in coinciding with the huge marathon. Get CBS Sports Network to have plenty of games as well. That would be fantastic. Maybe something of a pipe dream now. But years down the road maybe it changes because it hasn't always i don't think college basketball has always started like this i think this has only been over the past 10 or 15 years where it's it's sort of uh hit this routine uh let's talk about the games then the doubleheader in hawaii uh uh, that's the most interesting thing i'm at the veterans classic i'm thrilled to be here um we get marquette vanderbilt so that's the first game of the bryce drew era 
we get uh, Ohio State and Navy. And so that's Thad Mata uh, coaching his first game since missing the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2008. I don't know if you saw it. Mark Titus, who's the former walk-on now writes for the Ringer, had a really like interesting sit-down with that and wrote about it. And um, I, I, it was just really good. And I, what I like most about that, that story, if you haven't read it yet, is it it showed Thad's personality, which I don't know if people outside of folks who have been around him – in private settings understand like he's a funny guy and he's a he's smart guy and i don't know that um in in the you know typical pre-game post-game halftime interviews that that's that coaches are able to display their personalities in that way i thought mark did a a really good job of sort of opening getting thad to open up and then being able to to share that with uh with readers but he is a guy who was considered the next great thing for like a pretty good stretch and recently, a little bit of the shine has come off of that. And it, so it'll be interesting to see him try to get that back. And I'll be able to see his first game of this season uh, tomorrow night here at the Naval Academy. But let's be honest, it's, uh, that's, that's, those are four unranked teams. And out in Hawaii, it's four top 15 teams playing against each other. So let's focus on that. Uh, the first game is Michigan State-Arizona, which on paper, it's two big brands. One Hall of Fame coach, another guy who could theoretically end up in the Hall of Fame. But, man, this game isn't anything close to what it could have been. Key players are gone from both sides already. They are. It's not what it could have been. I'm very intrigued by it. I think college basketball, the folks that care enough to tune in and that you know read our content and fo- listen to our podcast and follow the sport, I think they'll be intrigued as well because Michigan State is going to look so weird. They don't have a front court right now. Miles Bridges, who, in my opinion, can probably defend four positions at the college level and play four positions at the college level, he might be like a de facto power guard in a four-guard offense for Michigan State, which is bizarre to think about with Izzo, but I do think we'll see a lot of that. Arizona, we talked a lot about what their issues were on last week's podcast. If you haven't listened to it, uh, highly encourage that. Uh, But they don't have a longer career still. He didn't take the trip. His eligibility is, is quite frankly, it's clearly in question here right now. Trier, with him not on the floor and Arizona having plenty of freshman talent coming in, how are they going to be able to perform? You know, I won't knee-jerk to what either team does. I think Arizona is going to steal it. I think it should be a, an interesting and consistent game. I think they'll take it barely. Um I will say it, won't be, it wouldn't be a shock to me if either team winds up losing by double digits just because of the unknowns coming in. Michigan State also has a, a very hefty freshman class. I mean, these two programs have two of the top five or six classes in all of America coming in this year. It's going to be intriguing to say the least. And I would think the important thing is, like, get a good look at what they are. Enjoy the fact that the sport is back. But know that the teams that we're going to see, specifically with those two teams on Friday night, I would think their dynamic will change greatly even within like three weeks. Let, forget about like there'll be a different team when we get to league play. I just think with how young they are and the fact that like hopefully Gavin Schilling can get back on the floor for Michigan State, but we don't have any idea if and when that'll happen um, or if Alonzo Trio's ever going to get on the floor for Arizona this year, they're going to have to adapt and get better uh, pretty quickly. So we'll get a good, interesting first look. But I don't know. I'm, I'm taking Arizona. I mean, they asked us. We're going to start, I think, posting uh, both spreads and picks against the spreads on, this, on the site this year. 
I took Arizona against the spread and to win. I think they're getting one and a half. What are your What are your thoughts on the game, GP? I took Michigan. I mean, but like it's a total toss up game. Uh, I mean, at Michigan State rather, it's a total toss up game. Uh, they're both shorthanded. First off, they both lost uh, key pieces from last year, and they've lost key pieces from what were supposed to be on this year's roster, uh, at least temporarily, in, in in some cases, and so. I mean, honestly, like I could sit here and try to sound all smart, but who knows? We don't know these teams. We haven't. That's the thing about college basketball. When, and I wrote a little bit about this as a preview to, I think our, I don't even remember what I've written so much, like so many words <laughs> lately. I really don't even remember where these words are. But the one of the, one of the things I, I, I sort of pointed out is that when you enter an NBA season, you kind of have a pretty good good idea of like who's who. You know, there's going to be a team that's better than you thought, a team that's worse than you thought, but like. Golden State and Cleveland and San Antonio and the Clippers, like we know, we know who's who. Um, in college basketball, we think we know. Even the teams right now that are ranked first and second in the country, Duke and Kentucky, it's based on players we've never seen at the Division One level. Like we yeah. never, we've never seen these people play before. Yeah, like I mean, we see them play, but not in, not at the Division One level, and not with each other. And that's kind of a weird thing about this sport. I don't know that there's any more sport, any sport where you are projecting somewhat blindly as much as you're asked to project in college basketball. And so to take it back to Michigan State, Arizona, like I'm not even sure Tom or Sean know what kind of teams they've got right now. So I'm not sure either, but I'm anxious to watch it. And I can't wait to see Miles Bridges because he was awesome in the ex- in the exhibition season. And, yeah. he- and he's been awesome forever. Like we've both seen him on the AAU circuit. Uh, he's a terrific prospect who looks like he's going to be a terrific player. And there's a difference between the two. There, it's not always true that great prospects become great players immediately. Kelly Oubre was a great prospect, was not a great player. DeAndre Jordan was a great prospect, was not a great college player. Um, last year, Scalabissier was a great prospect. He wasn't a great college player. Um, but it looks like Miles Bridges is going to be a great college player, and, and they need him to be because, you know, they, they, they lost Denzel Valentine, Brim Forbes, and then like uh, Matt Costello. And then, and yeah. then, and then, guys who were supposed to be on this roster that they were counting on—they're not available anymore. So, like Tom is—he's not starting from scratch, but it ain't far from scratch. Yeah, it's not far from scratch. Losing Denzel will be huge because he was such a do-it-all player. But Bryn Forbes made an NBA roster. I mean, yeah. some—I think some of what they've lost has maybe been a little overlooked. Uh, Bridges will need to be huge. Aaron Harris is going to be have to play. He's a player we put on our top 101 list. I think he will be really good this year. He's going to probably have to be good immediately. I think that's kind of pivotal to what Michigan State has. People, people got to remember with him, like he scored like a bunch of points per game a couple years, a few years ago at West Virginia. He was just yes. His role changed so much last year for Michigan State because of the presence of of all those other players. But he's he's proven capable of getting big numbers at the Division One level. I think his numbers are going to jump back to what they were at West Virginia. So do I, and that's a big part of why I wanted to get him, you know, in relatively good standing on the list overall. I think it's pretty important for him. Kansas, Indiana. Um, I'm super in on Josh Jackson overall, both ends of the floor. I think he'll be awesome. Uh, and I think Kansas's backcourt will be fantastic this year. I do think Kansas wins this game. I think, but I think they're getting what five and a half. I don't have the line in front of me from when we it picked is Kansas it minus five and a half. I would take Kansas to cover here personally. <laughs> and by the way, I'm by no means an expert when it comes to, uh, Throwing down on lines, but I'm actually an I, expert on gambling, I, but I'm not good at winning. But I, <laughs> but I know all about it. And I can talk about it, but I'm just sure. for whatever reason I can't consistently place winning bets. 
if you're watching KU Indiana, you're going to watch for Josh Jackson, who for some was the best prospect in this year's freshman class, and for OG Ananobi, who was expected to be really I mean, to me, Carlton Bragg on Kansas' side and Ananobi, I would rank as two of the top five breakout players this year. And that's a phrase that you see thrown around more and more with which each year going by. And breakout players, I basically define it as someone who didn't average double digits, wasn't a clear number one or number two option on the on their team the year before, but now will ask it to be, one, to do a lot more, and two, will just inherently probably become much more valuable, much more well-known within the college basketball universe. I think both those players do apply. Ananobi might be the number one breakout candidate. He is a fantastic talent. If you watched Indiana in the tournament, you saw that you know he really showed flashes of that. So you're going to tune in. There's going to be a, a really good wow factor, I think, in that game overall because I also think Indiana and Kansas should have pretty terrific offenses that should have some grease to them right off the bat. Like, yeah, we might see some sloppiness overall. But I do think that it will be a relatively well-played game, given it's the first of the season. They have Thomas Bryant, who I think is ready to make a jump. Uh, OG, who I think is ready to make a jump. They lose Yogi Ferrell. They lose Troy Williams. But they get back James Blackman. Like That's, that's, that's like adding a five-star recruit. Yes, with uh, with, with uh, like with with agent experience. So like, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, you you're you're high on Bryant and Obi's the breakup player. I think Blackman will lead the team in scoring personally. So he's a huge he was, he was huge dude, part of it. He was scoring big numbers last year before he got hurt. And I know Indiana fans like are sort of hot and cold on him because perhaps he's not the best. Uh, he's he's not a great two way player. Yeah, that's but, that's putting it kindly without right. a doubt he, there, there are two parts of the floor and he is very interested in one there's no denying that but um but like he's like you know when you add that kind of piece to um you know when, when you didn't have him last year but now you've got him and you won the big 10 last year without him uh that just it's just a nice piece to add and when you look at obviously the question marks are at point guard you know when you lose yogi it uh it's it, you you can replace that but you don't you don't know how it's going to go you know I, I think Greg Marshall's probably thinking these same types of things now you know when you lose somebody who was so reliable at that position for so many years you know Fred Van Vliet in Wichita Yogi uh, at Indiana when Mark Turgeon has to replace Mello like these guys aren't necessarily like future lottery picks or anything but like at the collegiate level they are invaluable a point guard you can rely on to control a game and get you baskets and get to the free throw line like like we saw in, in over the past you know three years and, and four years with Yogi at Indiana and 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 Fred at Wichita State like when you have to replace a guy like that it is not simple but I do think Josh Newkirk is I, I know when I've talked to the Indiana staff they they were excited about him nobody's calling him Yogi but they're excited about him and when you go him Blackman Bryant uh, I don't know like like that's a good roster I picked Indiana win the Big Ten I think they're good. I do think they're going to be good. I've got Wisconsin winning the Big Ten. Um, Wisconsin brings back pretty much everyone from a team that was good and should be even better with consistency under guard this year. Indiana, I think, will just need a little bit of time just to get on the track fully. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to win this game, but I, you know, I could definitely be wrong. Let's let's be real here. The, I just for the reasons that you've been just talking about here, Kansas brings back. They basically play. A two-point guard backcourt because Graham and Mason can both run the show there. I think that's tremendously valuable, um, and it's a big reason why I'm big on Kansas overall. I don't know when you want to get to our Final Four title picks, but that them having both those players plus Svi back there, Jackson being huge, Bragg having a big year, and then like Yudoka Azabuki, who's this big dude down low, who 
I'm getting the feeling that he's going to be more prominent in that roster rotation than a lot of people might have first realized because Biggs have had some inconsistencies under Self. Self says that he like he's a quick learner. He'll do well. So overall, I do like what Kansas has. But I'm just I'm just psyched about talking about college hoops right now. Like we got games that are less than 24 hours a game. Uh, this is fantastic. You mentioned uh, you know in the Big Ten you picked Wisconsin. I picked Indiana. We actually. Uh, published our conference predictions, championships for champions for every league in the country uh, yesterday, and uh, so we were different there. And I believe that's the only Power Five league that we differed on. I, I think went, you're right. I went Indiana. You went Wisconsin. Everything else, we were the same. Pac-12, we both went Oregon. SEC, we both went Kentucky. Big 12, we both went Kansas. ACC, we both went Duke. I feel I'm most... going to I'm going to stand up for the Big East people, okay? Because I would consider the Big East uh, very much a power conference, and we both I didn't say went, power nope. conference. I said power five, and those right. are the f- well, po- those are the power five leagues. I didn't make up the term. You can Google it. Like Google it right now and see what pops up. Paris Paris tweets. I picked these teams in the power five, and he and I'm at mention in the tweet, and I get like 40 replies. People killing Paris for not including the hey, Big East. Hey, I know. I, just... I got a message for him. All of them. If you ever want to ensure that I will mumble the words power five every opportunity I get complain about it you ooh um, you ooh you too ooh you're so sensitive they are very sensitive about that but if, if you even want to include it we both also have Villanova winning the Big East so we're in agreement there if we're talking uh, about the power five leagues we cannot talk about the Big East it's not a power five league google it Power Five Leagues, as defined by the people who run college athletics, that's the ACC, the Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and the SEC. Now, if you want to talk about the other leagues, some of which are better basketball leagues than the Power Five Leagues, I'm happy to talk about the Big East. But the Big East is not a Power Five League. I didn't come up with the term. If you don't like the term, take it up with the people who run college athletics or President-elect Trump. There we go. Uh, it's, all I can say is the biggest is going to be great this year. Okay, it's going to be a great league. So good, so fantastic. Um, and with with the fact that we're in agreement. Oh, by the way, and let me just address this real quick because I'm, okay. I'm I'm goofing around right now. I will be serious for a second. It is like a, a I, I have been just goofing around. I'm not trying to antagonize anybody. I have great respect for the Big East, and uh, obviously, I think Jay's doing an unbelievable job at Villanova. Chris is doing an unbelievable job at Xavier. Uh, so on and so forth. Uh, the Big East is awesome. I'm down with the Big East forever. Um, in all seriousness, like the Power Five is a a. The reason I like that term is not because of anything other than it's a clearly defined term. Like I don't know what mid major means. People talk people talk about mid major league. Well, what's a mid major league? Well, is the American Athletic Conference a mid major league or not? I don't know. Like, what do we? What about Wichita State? They play in the MVC. They. I hate that term. They're not a so, mid major program. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. I'm with, okay. Let, so, but Power Five, it's clearly defined. What it means is those five leagues, and the counter, like the basketball people, the pushback on it is it has nothing to do with basketball, which, by the way, is untrue. Um, it has a massive amount of influence on basketball. First off, you want to know what basketball leagues have the best television contracts or on national TV the most? The Power Five. Now, it's, it's because of the football stuff, but it has an impact on basketball. Like the SEC is gonna be playing way more games on ESPN than 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 non power any non power five league is going to. Whether you think the SEC is good at basketball or terrible at basketball, um, the resources are immense. 
like uh, the, the even the mediocre uh, Power Five programs, because of the 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 revenue that being in a Power Five league and having that television contract produces, um, they have more resources for their men's basketball program than 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 the be- than most of the best non Power Five institutions. Like you go look at Auburn's men's basketball budget and start comparing it to the best out of most other non-Power 5 leagues. Like, we're talking about Auburn. It's a bottom-tier SEC job, uh, historically speaking at least, and they can outspend anybody. So I, I hear what you're saying when you say we're one of the best five leagues. I got you. I'm not disagreeing with that. I look at all the numbers too. But when the, when the conversation, when the term is strictly Power 5, and that's a clearly defined term by the people who run college athletics, uh, we all know what that means. I like to use terms that everybody understands what that means. And beyond that, um, I reject the notion that it doesn't have an impact on basketball. It 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 creates uh, a it it creates um, the scenario in which you watch the sport. The Power Five schools are going to be on big time television networks more often than 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 other non Power Five schools, and it creates the the resources. And by the way, go ask any non Power Five coach or Power Five coach if they think being in a Power Five league has an impact on men's basketball. You will not be able to find one who tells you it doesn't matter. Not one. Not not one in the whole world. So that's my rant. You can talk about whatever okay. you want now. Good rant. All right. So real quick on the uh, on the leagues we agree on. I'm just going to run down this and you can respond if you want or if not, that's fine too. Uh, Oregon to me is like you look at each league and try and forecast and try and figure out like okay might this be tight might it, might not. I think the Big Ten understandably. That's what she said. Indi- yeah. There we go. Indiana, Wisconsin. Uh, a very legitimate debate to be had there. Michigan State, it's hard to make the case right now because of what they've lost in the front court, but if you want to toss them in, that's fine overall. Purdue fans might want to chime in. I don't think that they will have enough in the backcourt to truly push. Maybe we're wrong. In the Pac-12, Oregon, to me, is a definitive pick to win the league. Arizona's lost too much. UCLA, whose talent I'm very much in on, this was a sub-500 team a year ago. You know, Washington brings in perhaps the national freshman of the year, Markel Fultz. They just they didn't even make the tournament. So to me, Oregon is a clear cut. I would be genuinely surprised if Oregon doesn't win the Pac-12. In the Big East, Villanova only really gets a push from Xavier. I think you can make the case for Xavier, but if either of those teams don't win the league, I'd be genuinely shocked. As a reminder, Nova has gone 16 and two every single year since the Big East reformed to a 10-team league. Will that continue this year? I don't think so. I think they'll be a 15 and three team, but still win the league overall sec i think is the biggest slam dunk of them all even over the big 12 just because the sec overall is weaker than the rest of the big 12 you really cannot pick anyone other than kentucky which speaks to the program cal the guys they have coming in even with the uncertainty there's just no one that's within smacking distance so to speak there's just nobody there that can really just get physical and take that league from kentucky i don't think there's any way that they don't win the league now if they don't that's part of the fun of the sports and you know, getting shocked and all that stuff, but I just don't see how Kentucky doesn't win this league. They, their class is really good, and I really like a lot of their players overall. Kansas, obviously, I, I mean, I'm not picking Kansas to not win the Big 12 until they don't win the Big 12 under itself. I mean, it, they should have some interesting competition underneath them, but overall, anyone that doesn't pick Kansas is just doing it to be a strictly, strictly a contrarian. There's just no argument to be made there whatsoever in my mind and i think that's pretty much it right big 10 big 12 sec acc is duke that's the only one so duke you could make if you wanted to make an argument right now you could say the acc is the most loaded and uh difficult conference i think that is a very valid point because it's going to be a conference that will minimally put eight teams in the tournament and will aim to get 11 in and tie the big east 
record from five, six years ago. Carolina should be pretty good. Virginia is Virginia. They, I'm not as big on Virginia as everyone else, but I totally get it. If you want to say that Tony Bennett will be the new Bo Ryan and that like Virginia will never finish worse than fourth in the ACC, I could totally see that happening. I think that his scheme, his coaching ability is that good that you could make a case there. Louisville, Syracuse will also be very, very good this year. So Duke, while it's the consensus pretty much number one team, it does have health issues right now. Tatum should be back soon, but we don't know what the deal with Marquise Bolden is, and we still don't know the overall health of Harry Giles. So Duke is somewhat ironically, I would put them less, I would be less sure of them winning the regular season in the ACC than I would be with Kansas, Kentucky, Oregon, I would, I would say they're more of a sure thing than Nova. Uh, I would say they're more of a sure thing than Indiana or Wisconsin. But I don't know. That's my, that's my, I guess my takeaway on, on those significant leagues. You here's got any I, thoughts? Yeah, here's what I would say. Um, I think we're mostly on the same page here. Um, I, I don't see anybody challenging Kentucky. They win the SEC by multiple games. They're, they're ranked second in the country. They've got maybe three lottery picks on their roster, and nobody else is ranked in the preseason top 25. I think Florida can be good. I can envision Arkansas being good. I can see Georgia being good. I can see Texas A&M being good. Can't see anybody seriously challenging Kentucky. I think they're going to run away with the SEC. Uh, Kansas, same deal. Uh, I, I can see Texas being good. I can see West Virginia being good. I can see Iowa State being I can't see anybody pushing Kansas. Like, if you were ever trying to get that from Kansas in the Big 12, like, this ain't the year to do it. If you want to pick against them, this ain't the year to do it. Um, they've got two veteran, very good college basketball guards. They've got a, a you know, top five pick on the wing. They've got you know, five-star prospects down low. Haven't done it at the major college level yet, but I think can. I mean, Kansas is a reasonable Final Four pick, reasonable national championship pick, and the easy pick to win the Big 12. I think they win it by multiple games. Oregon, I, I picked them. I'm not, and I don't think Arizona can challenge. Just too, there's just too much gone wrong there in terms of injuries and eligibility and whatever. Uh, but I'm, I, I, I'm taking a wait and see approach with UCLA. But if we look up in February and UCLA is the best team in the Pac-12, that won't shock me. The, like the talents there to be really good. Um, so I picked Oregon just like you picked Oregon, but. I feel way better about Kansas in the Big 12 and way better about Kentucky in the SEC than I do about Oregon in the Pac-12. Uh, same thing with the ACC. Duke's preseason number one. Obviously, I pick them to win the ACC. Um, but uh, Tatum should be back, you know, now. Uh, Bolden, like, we'll see. He's going to be reevaluated after the weekend. Harry Giles, I'm told, is probably not coming back till toward the end of the month. Uh, initially, it was like middle of November. Now, I'm... I'm I'm told it's more like end of November, early December. That's that's more what they're planning for. But you know, uh, uh, optimistically, end of November. Uh, you know, taking it slow, December. Yeah. But but not not next week. And even when he comes back, fingers crossed. I hope he's just as awesome as he always looked like he was going to be, because the alternative to that, like, literally, cost him millions of dollars. And I don't know. How, yeah. I don't know how anybody could get excited. Yeah, yeah. Right. like it really is. It's a million dollar thing. Like, if I tore my legs up, and like I did, I tore my AC on high school. I, I don't feel like I was ever the same as, as a mediocre yeah. baseball player. <laughs> what could have been? <laughs> like, like, I went from being a, 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 a really good uh, defensive second baseman who could hit 285 for you, all right? And then, and then that was pre-injury. And then post-injury, I was like, 
really, really good defensive second baseman as long as you hit the ball basically right at me. But I couldn't go get it anymore. I couldn't steal bases anymore. And I was still hitting about, you know, 285. Uh, so I, after my knee surgery, I was never what I once was. But it didn't cost me a penny, <laughs> not even a scholarship. Like I wasn't going anywhere to play ba- baseball, certainly not uh, to the, MB- uh, to the uh, major leagues. Uh, with Harry Giles, it's like the stakes are so much higher. Like it could cost tens of millions of dollars. And so um, like in all seriousness, you just want him to be okay because you want all these young people to be okay. Um, but like who knows? Because even when he does come back, sure. here's the truth. He hasn't played a game in over a year. I looked it up the other day. Like the last yeah. time he, last time he, he played. Never pl- I don't think he ever played a game with Oak Hill, did he? Did he injure it in practice or did he get on the floor with Oak Hill? I thought he injured it like first week of the season. Okay. I want to I say it was like November 4th or November 5th, but it's definitely more than a year ago. He has not played in a basketball game in more than a year and two surgeries ago. So, like, we don't know what he is. And so if Tatum, like, for whatever reason, like, if, if we just look up in Duke, who doesn't have a natural point guard, by the way, and I'm not saying that's a problem, but it is a thing. Uh, I think it's a thing. Yeah. Yes. You know, don't have a natural point guard. So you're going to see Grayson handling the ball a whole lot. And then what if Giles isn't great? And then the other injury stuff just continues to pop up. Then can I see Louisville or Carolina or Virginia winning the ACC? Absolutely I can. So I have Duke ranked number one. I got Duke picked to win the national championship. But I can see a scenario where it just – for what like things just don't go the right way. And somebody and, – and that league in the ACC – like I feel like things could not go perfectly for Kansas. And Kansas is still going to win the Big 12. Yeah. I don't – like like – like some of this is we're talking about Josh Jackson's gonna be great. But what if Josh Jackson's just okay? You know, what if Josh Jackson is closer to, to Kelly Oubre than he is Andrew Wiggins? Yeah, they still got they still got they're, plenty they're of still that. fine. They're well, they here I I wrote this somewhere about Kansas. You can find it if you do a bunch of searches. Um Kansas doesn't need Josh Jackson to be great. Like it like Josh Jackson could be okay and Kansas is still gonna be really good. Now, if they want to go win a national championship, I think they need him to be great. But Kansas is going to win the Big 12 whether Josh Jackson is great or not. I think Duke, to win the ACC, they need their guys to be great because there are other on-paper great teams in that league, Carolina, Louisville, Virginia just being three of them. So uh, that's where I'm at on that. Big 10, like who knows? Michigan State, Wisconsin, Indiana, it could be any of them. I, I picked Indiana um, because I want to be able to do podcasts where we're talking about Tom Crean climbing up a ladder again. Of course. Um but like it, I could, could obviously reasonably be Wisconsin or, um, or or even Michigan State. Um, what were the the Big East? Villanova and Xavier. I, I, mean, that's... I, I think it's Villanova. I like, obvi- yeah. like, but but I could see Xavier. I can't. I agree with you. I can't see anybody else. It's got to be Villanova or Xavier. I can't see. Yeah. I mean Creighton, Creighton, like they're gonna be. Creighton's gonna be good. Yeah. Uh, just gotta. Are they gonna play enough defense? And that you're asking for a big jump. So they'll be good. And like. I think that they so they'll get two home games obviously against Nova and Xavier. I, I would expect them to win at least one of those, um, but I can't see them. It's going to be Nova and Xavier. I, yeah, I would be shocked. Yeah, they'll catch people in Omaha. Like that's an amazing home court advantage. But like, uh, I'll be surprised if it's not Villanova or Xavier. And if asked to pick one of the two, I'll take Villanova. Um, AAC, I think it's a total toss up at the top. Cincinnati. Oh, it is. Yeah. I go, you, I go UConn because I like their talent overall more. Me but too. Cincinnati, uh, they can definitely do it. Uh, they're right there. SMU, you can't discount either because they have enough coming back. But I do lean much, much more with UConn or Cincinnati than SMU. And the last league I want to talk about before we get out of here because um, I thought this was interesting. Uh, uh, Sam, who's an intern at The Ringer, is working on a story. 
I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. I talked to him about it uh, on Rhode Island. And even though I like have talked uh, at length about Rhode Island and, and written about Rhode Island, uh, I've never considered the projection in this way. Um, you know, they, they, they've never done anything. I know. And we've all picked them to win the Atlantic 10. I know. Now, <laughs> I it, picked it, them last year too, dude, and then they got into <laughs> like, like, uh, <laughs> like it. They've never done anything. Like Dan Hurley's never won at this level. Uh, they weren't good last year, and and we were all picking them to win the Atlantic Ten. Yeah. Now, now my my explanation would be they're returning. I think four players that that averaged at least nine point eight points per game last season. Uh, you know, including like you know Karan Iverson, who was once a you know four star high level recruit, uh, went to Memphis and then transferred to Rhode Island. Um, they've got Son Martin. They've got, and then they return E.C. Matthews, which is a little bit like bringing back James Blackman um, at Indiana. Like E.C. Matthews was, I don't think he was the official America, uh, I mean Atlantic Ten preseason player of the year last year, but he was some magazines preseason A10 player of the year. And so you got a Rhode Island program that's got some nice pieces in place, and then they're adding somebody who this time a year ago folks thought would be the best player in the Atlantic Ten. And uh, you know, I, I think Dayton's still going to be good. But maybe a little down. VCU still be good, but they did just lose an exhibition. Um, I think this is open up for Rhode Island. I don't feel. I mean, like who knows? Like I, I think we started this podcast by talking about who knows. But um, I like the pick. But it is undeniably unusual for a team that was just about 500 last year uh, to be the unanimous pick to win a league. The quality of the Atlantic Ten. Yes, it's totally fair. I actually, I did talk to Goodman on the phone last week, and why? he went. With it. <laughs> why? Because he occasionally he occasionally calls me, and I pick up. That's he actually crazy. called me because he wanted to talk about how amazing Hamilton was. That's uh, crazy to pick up the phone when he calls. Dude loves his musicals. <laughs> loves loves his musicals. I swear to God, it's 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 really like one of the strange. Like, listen, I I did musical theater in high school and college. Like, I actually was all about that. I, I dig it too. But Goodman, you just never would think he was like that into musicals. Guy loves them, loves them. Anyway, so we got onto uh, I think URI because they play in the uh, Hall of Fame Classic in a couple of weeks. I might go up and see that because they could get Duke if they win their first uh, semifinal game there. But he was saying like I'm going to take Dayton because they they've got the culture. Archie's really good. They've proven it. They've done it. There's I can't argue with that. I can't argue. I that. love what Rhode Island. Yeah, I love what Rhode Island has from a personnel standpoint. I think they're long, strong, fast, can defend like hell, can shoot can move on the wing, can get up in your face. I just love what they have. I think Hurley has the ability to coach this team to a title. But if anyone wants to be skeptical, I totally get it. Because this program and people listening that follow this team or just live in Rhode Island are huge Providence fans. They know, like, unfortunately, the Rams have not been good when expectations have been put on the program overall. And uh, it's definitely there this year as well. So if they were to fall flat, you know, it's, it wouldn't be a surprise whatsoever. Before we wrap up, let's just hit, let's hit our final four national title picks overall. Um, who do you have? Mine are not going to surprise anybody. Uh, I went Duke. I just went with the top four in the preseason top 25 and one. That's Duke, Kansas, uh, uh, Kentucky, and Villanova. And then I've got Duke and Kentucky playing for a national championship, which, by the way, would be awesome. Two of the biggest, oh. if not the biggest, brands in college basketball, two Hall of Fame coaches, 
uh, pros all over the court. Like that'd be unbelievable. I know the 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 people who I don't even know who's broadcasting the championship game this year, whether it's TNT or uh, or CBS. I CBS has it. Okay. This year, well, I I just uh, yeah. the the executives would love Duke, Kentucky, Shashevsky, Calipari on a Monday night in April. So uh, and then I've got Duke winning the whole thing, but uh, it won't surprise me if uh, I do think Kansas, Kentucky. Like, Duke is the favorite, according to the odds. Kansas, Kentucky are right behind them, according to the odds. And then it won't surprise me if Villanova's got a real shot to repeat as well. It's going to be, um, as as we're getting close to it, and now we're talking about it and, and, and looking at the schedules and planning the schedules. Like, it, it, like I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm excited about it. But my final four picks, I'm not, I don't have any dark horses in there. It'll, it'll have to be um, obvious for mine to be accurate. Yeah, uh, I usually like to throw a dark horse in there for fun. Um, this year it would have been, I don't know if Arizona would have been a dark, dark horse, obviously, but if they had Trier for sure and they had Ray Smith, Arizona was going to be in my Final Four. I took him out. Uh, this is actually, I think, my least creative Final Four in a long time. Um, between you, me, Chip Patterson, Jerry Palm, Duke, and Kansas are in everyone's Final Fours. Um, Villanova, I think, is in three of the four. I do like Chip going with, uh, with Xavier. I like the daring pick, but I go... Duke, Kansas, Nova, and Oregon. Um, I do have Dylan Brooks winning player of the year. Kansas is my national champion. I'm the only one of the four that didn't take Duke. Duke is getting a lot of love, and I get it, but I do have hesitations. Kansas I go with because of the point guards in the backcourt, the experience overall. Bill Self, to me, is a coach that it's hard for me to reconcile the fact that Bill Self will leave college basketball with only one national title. I think he is due to win another one at some point. This seems like a very solid year for him to do so. And because Duke does not have a point guard, and I don't see a situation wherein it even grows into having, like, I just don't see Frank Jackson being a reliable full-time true option at the point guard. Grayson will probably run some of that as well. Will they even try some experimenting with Matt Jones there? I don't know. But I do think that could have an impact to the point where if you're going to play teams that are really going to get up on you, Elite Eight, Final Four title game, not having a point guard could uh, be pretty important. So I go Kansas there, and I feel relatively confident right now about that. But there is a little too much of an element parish of people like in Nova, Kansas, Duke, Oregon, um, Kentucky, like those five teams – I would love to have a, a shocker or two, and we probably will when we get to March. But right now, those those five seem like the majority of the teams that people are taking in uh, Final Four projections. I, I will tell you this. One thing that history shows, not without exception, but more often than not, is that in college basketball, though it is a lot of guesswork because the rosters are, are certainly at the top of the sport are typically rosters that feature high-level freshmen, who a heralded freshmen who haven't played at this level yet. So there's a little bit of question marks. The rosters, uh, you know, rarely does a team that you're going to find in the top of the rankings, rarely is it somebody who's returned four or five starters because um, it's a talent-driven sport. All that said, year in and year out, more often than not, the teams everybody thinks going to be good in November, they end up being the ones who are good. Like that is what the – like if you go start comparing preseason polls to postseason polls, um, they tend to add uh, – they tend to look not crazy different. Uh, than each other there's always somebody who's way up there that wasn't supposed to be and somebody who was supposed to be way up there who isn't uh but by and large uh the teams that are supposed to be great um they end up usually being the teams uh, that are great so keep that in mind as you watch the opening weekend of college basketball um enjoy 
the opening weekend of college basketball. Shout out to Devin Downey. We're going to be back with you on Monday to look back at Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And thank God we will have actual games to talk about. Remember, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. Best way uh, to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again Monday. Until then, take care. Cool.